Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. In Dave Ebert's first episode, he chats with choreographer Juliana Slager about sharing the gospel without even using words. She describes how her Christian ballet company can impact lives. Hello and welcome to the Creatively Christian Podcast. I'm the new guy. I'm uh, Dave Ebert and uh, I am uh, excited to be a part of uh, Theophany Media and uh, the Creatively Christian Podcast. Um, Really looking forward to sharing uh, more and more stories uh, with the audience. Uh, But today we have a special guest. Uh, Juliana is the uh, co-founder of Ballet 5-8. It's a ballet company that tours nationally each year. Uh, Ballet 5-8 is celebrating their 10th anniversary in 2022. Uh, They have 25 professional dancers, as well as a school with 400 students. Uh, Juliana has mentored, discipled, and trained dancers who are now working all over the world and joining the important work of creating redemptive culture. Uh, You can connect with Juliana and uh, Ballet 5-8 at ballet58.org or at uh, julianaslager.com. That's in the show notes, so you can get the spelling correct on that. And uh, you can also uh, find them on Facebook and Instagram at Ballet58. Uh, welcome this time, I guess, uh, Juliana Slager. Juliana, welcome to Creatively Christian. Thanks so much, Dave. It's such a pleasure to be on the show with you today. I, I'm really excited because when I joined Creatively Christian, I was thinking that I'm going to be talking to people around the world. But here I am able to talk to somebody uh, that's right in my backyard at Ballet58, uh, half an hour uh, away from where I live. Uh, uh, we were there for uh, the uh, the Nutcracker uh, at uh, Lincoln Way, and uh, we were there uh, a little bit over maybe two years ago uh, for the uh, other. Um, it's not the Nutcracker. It it's beyond the Nutcracker, right? Yeah, you that got was it. the name of it. Yep. So uh, it's really cool, um, and we have a connection too. Not only do we live in Chicagoland, but also four of the girls that my wife and I teach in kids' church also are being taught by you and, and by Ballet 58. Uh we won't reveal their names you know, sort of privacy and whatever, but uh it, it's just really cool to be able to connect with somebody that, that's got so many great connections. Um so tell us how did Ballet 58 start and is Ballet 58 referring to the height of your dancers? <laughs> that's a good one actually I haven't heard that one before. Um yeah so Ballet 58 started in 2012. Um I founded it with a friend. Her name is Amy Sanderson. And we had both been dancing professionally and we'd been friends um, previous to the founding of the company. And so I actually moved to Chicago because my now husband um, was graduating from Moody Bible Institute and we were getting married. So that's how I got to this neck of the woods before that I was dancing in Mississippi, so a little bit warmer this time of year in Mississippi. And, you know, were it not for true love, um, I would still be there basking in the warmth. But anyway, God had other plans. And so I moved up here and I kind of just started getting to know Chicago and the Chicago area. Um, I was teaching at a lot of different studios and schools, um, you know, just throughout the suburbs and in the city. And it just started to dawn on me that there wasn't um, a Christian presence in the arts the way that I felt there could be. And so Amy and I started to just see, man, there's a lot of good art. There's a lot of great things happening in the arts and culture scene in Chicago, but there's not that Christian voice in the marketplace. So that's where we began envisioning a ballet company 
that would have this mission to spark discussion of life and faith and would create ballets um, based on themes of faith. And so that's why we started Ballet 5-8. And the name that you asked about actually comes from Romans 5-8. And so we were sitting in a Starbucks. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time, right on the corner of uh, Dearborn and Division. And so we were sitting there in Starbucks going, okay, we have this idea for this company, but what kind of a name, you know, do you give to an organization like this? And Romans 5-8 was a favorite verse of mine and also of Amy's. And then we thought, okay, we're using ballet to show the truth of Romans 5-8. And so ballet 5-8 kind of came out of that conversation. Very nice. And, and I, I, of course, uh, knew that. Um, I just thought it'd be funny because, you know, you know, you mostly, you know, most dancers are, are women and, you know, five, eight is actually pretty tall or on the tall side of the average height for women. So that'd be kind of unique to have that many, you know, tall women uh, dancing. Yeah. You know, and sometimes people think it's a time signature. I've heard all kinds of like good guesses. So that was great. I like that. It, it would have been kind of interesting in me, you know, one thing that the, the audience may know and that, that you probably don't know is, I'm an improviser, so I like to be, you know, I goof off and I find things funny that maybe shouldn't be. So it would have been kind of interesting if you would have found a, a passage of scripture that was uh, chapter two, verse two. So it would be ballet two, two. There you go. Maybe that's a spinoff. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind. That's great. <laughs> Love it. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to encourage me. That's okay. <laughs> so, uh, um, so one of the things that, that's interesting is you, you talked about how you you wanted to have a Christian presence in the arts, especially through dance. How does ballet, how does that translate into uh, conversations or opportunities to, to share the gospel? Yeah, so I guess one of the unique things about dance and something that everybody kind of understands about dance is that there are no words. So when you're dancing... You're not um, bound to language, which that sounds kind of funny at first when you're talking about sharing the gospel and mm-hmm. it, you know, it can kind of be like, wait a second, no words. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but I think a lot of your listeners probably have heard this before, and I'm sure you have, Dave, 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And so we innately as human beings, we key into each other's expressions and facial expressions, how we move. Um, how we walk, you know, a lot of us can tell if a friend or a family member is upset just by the way they're sitting or the way that they're walking around the house. Mm -hmm. So there is kind of this baseline communication that we're all operating in, whether or not we're aware of it. And dance is really an an extrapolation of that. So it's taking those normal expressions that we make all the time, and it's kind of making them larger than life. And then putting them into an organized fashion where the audience is able to kind of sit in a theater and understand what's being transmitted from the dancers in a nonverbal way. Um, And so we try really hard to come up with themes and with stories that will give the audience a fresh perspective on who God is and how much he loves them. And so there's everything from Beyond the Nutcracker, which is really lighthearted, and it's the Christmas story, and it's about a little girl who discovers the true meaning of Christmas, 
all the way to ballets that are more intense. Um, we're doing one right now called Ripple Effect, and it's about James Three and the power of the tongue and how just one word has such an impact um, and can ripple through people's lives. And so all of those different themes are things that folks can kind of sit back and take in at their own pace. Mm -hmm. um, and what I found to be really valuable about dance as a way to share the gospel is you're not stepping on kind of these hot button um, words or phrases or ideologies because you're not using words. And so yeah. people let their guard down in a different way than they do with the spoken word. So I think it really complements a lot of the ministry that churches are doing um, where they are kind of teaching biblical truth. This is a great complement to that, particularly for people who maybe would not come into a church service or might not take that step to want to listen to a sermon or to something that's a little bit more literal. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it's, it's beautiful because I have a friend uh, that I met. Uh, she's a, a Chinese uh, uh, immigrant and she uses dance and, and ballet as a way to minister in China where, Oh, she's a dancer. So she's not thought of as somebody coming in to bring the gospel. And just the way that, that stories can be told, like you said, 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. So you're seeing these stories being told to music, which sets the mood and music is just universally understood. You know what, what, what the music is telling you. And then you see the story and it's beautiful how that all comes together. It's dance can be the universal language. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And it's been really cool to just see that played out over 10 years and to see people from kind of every walk of life and every background um, meet together in the theater. And there's kind of this beautiful leveling field where everybody's just there in this theater setting and able to meet each other um, on the same level and to hear the same story and then to kind of be able to have a dialogue about what that means afterward. Yeah. Now, all the or pretty much all of the works that you do, they're original. Is that right? Or do you do any licensed uh, created work? Yeah, so they're all original. And that is very unique for a ballet company. Um, a lot of, you know, typical ballet companies will stage Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, Swan Lake. Um, many people probably are familiar with those classic ballets. But because of our mission being so unique, um, none of that really fits the candor of this company. And so we do create all of our work, um, either work that I create, I'm a choreographer, that's one of my hats at Ballet 5.8, or we'll hire choreographers and we'll commission work. Um, so recently we had Kevin Jenkins come in and set a beautiful piece called Still Waters that was based on Psalm 23. But yeah, all of our work is original, um, either created in-house or commissioned. How how do you go about creating a ballet? Because you got to come up with the music and choreography, and it seems like you can't you can't come up with one without the other. So it's almost like you have to almost go note by note as you're creating. All right, this is the note. This is the move. This is the note. This or I mean, this is just my thinking because I've never been in that world. How do you create a ballet? Yeah, that's um, actually very fresh on my mind. We were working on a new ballet today. So I spent a lot of my work day today in the studio with the dancers. And so basically the way I would describe it is it's similar to creating um, a paper or a book where you're writing sentences of movement and you're putting them into paragraphs and then eventually 
chapters and then eventually to your full sum total of the work. And so ballet has like a codified um, number of steps that the dancers know. So there are things like plie and tendu that people may have heard those terms before. So there's many steps like that and the dancers know what they are. So as a choreographer, you create a movement sentence of like, you know, eight to 12 steps. And those are all set in the specific timing. So you might have the plie on one and the tendu is on two and so on. So you kind of create this map of steps to the music. And then from there, um, the way I like to do it is I'll create an A phrase and then a B phrase. And then we'll kind of layer those on top of each other. And then sometimes we'll create a pas de deux, which is a guy and a girl dancing together with all the lifts and spins. So sometimes we'll put that in as like a highlight or a C phrase. And you kind of experiment with how those movement sentences work together and you refine it until you really have something that shows exactly what the music is and gives the audience the right feeling. Um, mm-hmm. So if the piece is happy, you're trying to get the audience to feel happy while they're watching it. And if the piece has a story, if there's a character who's going through some kind of a drama, you're trying to help the audience feel what that character is feeling and understand the journey much like you would in a movie. Wow. It it just blows my mind because I, I've done some writing, but most, like I said, most of mine is improv. So, you know, it's made up off the fly. I couldn't imagine having so many layers and so many moving parts working together. It it, it takes talent and it, uh, and especially in a ministry to be able to do it in a way that is not only creative and enjoyable to watch, but is also honoring to God and, and tells that story. I mean, there, there's so many moving pieces, but, when people ask me, how can you do improv or how can you do comedy and be creative? My answer is, well, we serve a God who is the ultimate creator and we're made in his image. So we should be just as creative. I think that's so true. I actually was just reading a book um, by Makoto Fujimara, who is an artist that I really admire. He's a visual artist in New York. And he wrote this amazing book called Art Plus Faith. Um, And he says exactly that. He goes into just a lot of the theology of God as the creator and how we as his children um, were following in our father's footsteps. And so Christians should be kind of the most um, adamant at creating and the most, um, I guess, forward thinking with what they create because we're connected directly into the very source of creation itself. Have you seen uh, or do you have testimonies of how uh, the uh, your ballets have impacted people and how they've changed eternities? Yeah. You know, there's a ballet right now that I actually created it originally in 2015, but we're bringing it back for our 10 year anniversary performance. And the first time we premiered this ballet, um, the, the section at the end. So the ballet is called The Four Seasons of the Soul. And it's kind of a play on your traditional four seasons with spring and summer and autumn and winter. But it's the perspective of spiritual growth. And it's the perspective of the seasons of a Christian as you go through your development with the Lord. So the winter season is about death and it's about approaching death. Um, And Mm. it's about kind of the joy that we have even in the tragedy of death because we know that there's a resurrection. 
And so we were performing this piece for the first time and we had ushers there from the Saints, which is a volunteer usher group in Chicago. And there was a gentleman um, who had never been to our show before and he was sitting there and I'll never forget this because this was just so dramatic, but the curtain closed and you know the audience cleared, everybody was going home. And he was just sitting there. He was just still in the audience. Mm. It's probably 30 minutes after the show. And so I walked over to him and we started talking. And I would say probably 45 minutes of discussing life after death. And he was just so impacted by watching the joy that the dancer was having in her portrayal of death. He was like, wait a second, that's not normal. Like, what is this? What What are you talking about here? I need to know more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of my very favorite stories. And every time we restage that ballet, it brings back that memory of how much God can impact people um, through this art form. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's And there's probably a million stories that you don't know about because you're involved in the production, setting up, tearing down, getting ready for the next show that you may not get those interactions. And I think that that's the beauty of art. That's the beauty of serving God with your gifts is that you won't know until you're in, in, in glory and you'll realize, oh, this person got closer to God because of something that he created through me. Um, so, I, And I think God gives us maybe one out of a hundred of those stories just to kind of encourage us and keep us going. Um, so I had a, there's a question that's bringing in my mind and I don't want to make our conversation awkward, but it, it's something that that's just curious to me as somebody that's not a dancer, um, because of, you know, the lifts and the costume changes, how do you protect each other's modesty in those, especially when you do have male and female dancers? And, and is that, is that too awkward to ask? No, it's not. That's a good question. Um, Yeah, so I think a couple of things go into that. One, I think as dancers, one of the things that that God has really given us this sense of is kind of how beautiful and sacred the human body is. Um, Because we're we're working with the body all the time. And I kind of joke about this with my husband because he's very um, theologically minded, having gone to Moody. And Mm -hmm. we'll joke about how sometimes Christians just think of themselves as like a brain in a jar, you know, where it's like, it's all up here. Everything is, is in our minds. Um, And sometimes we forget how connected we are to the bodies that God has given us. Um, But as dancers, I think one of the cool things about it and one of the ways that we contribute to the body of believers is that we are so aware of our bodies and the gift of what God has given us. So I think we kind of start from that baseline where there's already such a respect and a care that everybody has for each other. Um, And so when you're in that studio space, there's so much of a like a brother and sisterly care for one another that just exudes when the dancers are partnering and doing all of these things. Um, But it has a very different like touching each other has a very different connotation for us than like a normal person walking down the street. So I think to set the context, like these people are best friends, you know, they work and live side by side day in and day out ministering together. So it it has the feeling of a family just going into it. And with that, as they are kind of all very close together and sometimes in these, you know, situations where they've got to grab a thigh or an armpit or something to do a lift, um, what might be uncomfortable for somebody who's not a dancer in our context is like so very mundane and normal that we almost don't even think about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a shake to us. 
And so that's kind of one of the funny things about it is that you, you're you used to whatever is normal in your context. Um, and so then with the costuming end of it, we try to be really smart with how we design our costumes. And our costume designer actually is in-house, which is really remarkable. She is phenomenal. Her name is Lorianne Robertson. She can create all of our costumes from start to finish. And so we're talking like she imagines the design. She mm. writes a sketch. Like I have books of sketches from her. I look through it and go, yeah, that, that looks great. That's usually my feedback. That's beautiful. And then she goes, she makes the patterns, cuts out the fabric, and creates all of it from scratch. And so that's for every age group. That's for our professionals. That's for our students. So with that, um, you know, we're not tied into a costume catalog or somebody else's idea of modesty. We're really able to tailor every costume to the individual dancer. And so in that sense, you're able to make sure that whatever you're putting on the dancers is flattering and is modest and is really um, just glorifying who God made them to be as a person in a really yeah. healthy and uplifting way. Yeah. And I think too, it is, it is also cultural for us, for me to even think that, that it might be awkward because if you read in the old Testament, when men were making agreements, they would put their hand under their, the other man's right thigh, which yeah. that would get you punched nowadays. I think. <laughs> no, it's very true. And that's such a good point. Even, you know, if you look at wedding dances um, in the Jewish culture, like it's very intimate and you would have the groom like lifted up above on all their, the guy's shoulders. And yeah, it is, it's very cultural. And I think when it's upheld with such respect and such an awe for the human body and a care to take care of one another in that um, co-worker and, and kind of collegial setting, it really is very beautiful. And so I'm grateful to work with a team that has that kind of respect for each other. Yeah. And as part of that, do you uh, recruit exclusively uh, Christian dancers as your professionals or do you have a mixed bag of backgrounds and beliefs and faiths and they just come together under your banner under that respect? Yeah. So the professional company, they all are Christians. And so okay. that's something that we've just found with our mission being as specific as it is, we really do need everybody to be on the same page. Um, now there's lots of different like variations of Christians. We have many different denominations. Basically every denomination is represented within our company which I think is really cool because yeah. we're unified and um, we all, you know, may have slightly different theological beliefs, but there is that respect and that unity um, that, that those things are not the main point and we're unified under Christ um, and Christ alone. So that is, is one of my favorite parts about the company, but then some of our more advanced students um, and definitely our school of the arts, that is kind of just an open door. Come as you are, whoever you are. If you want to dance, you know, this is the place for you. All are welcome. And so I like that balance because kind of our upper ring of people who are very influential, who are teaching, who are on staff, they are all Christians and they're unified in that sense. Um, so that when we're teaching and discipling, we're all on the same page. But then we also have that very open atmosphere within our student body um, to where anybody and everybody is welcome. Have you had anybody make a decision that came in, you know, mom and dad, like, you know, we just want them in a safe place. But because the, the older people poured into them, you've seen them take that step and make that decision. 
yeah, I would say probably 10 or so every year. You know, it's, yeah. it's been a really, yeah, fruitful thing to just see. I call it life on life ministry, but where, you know, they're being taught and discipled and mentored and just that organic experience where the student is um, day in and day out seeing the love of Christ from their teachers has been just a very fruitful ministry. And the students do all participate in a weekly Bible study, um, regardless of their background. And so that's also been a neat time just to have a focused time with them each week to talk about who is God and why does he love us? And why did Jesus die on the cross? And just kind of all those basic things. And so I love that we're able to be very inclusive, but then we're also upfront about who we are. And the students, I think they really love knowing that they are loved and cared for, even if they're not um, necessarily agreeing with us on faith at this point. I've just seen a lot of them kind of come to the Lord because of the love of the staff, which is really neat. You know, we've talked about the good things, but what what has been some of the biggest challenges of your mission and, and doing not only creating ballet, but doing so in such a way to honor God? What What are some of the challenges that you've met? Oh, yeah. So plenty of challenges, I think, especially with the arts. There's not always a lot of support, whether that is funding or finding enough audience members or board members, just the people to come alongside the mission and support it, I think is one of the biggest challenges. Um, And it's not that people don't want to be supportive, but I think with ballet, not everybody grew up with ballet as something that they were interested in. It may not be a part of their ecosystem or something that they frequent. Um, So it might be a little bit of a stretch for people to go, oh, I want to go see a ballet performance. You know, it's it's not football. So people are not necessarily innately um, drawn to going to those shows. So I think sometimes that can be a roadblock of being like, hey, you really will love this. Just give it a chance, you know, give it a try. It can be scary to step out and do something new. Um, But I've never heard anybody say, hey, I came to the show and I really wish I would have stayed home and, you know, <laughs> watch Netflix instead. Like every time people come, they love it. But I think giving it a chance, if you're not familiar with dance, can be a big hurdle to overcome. Yeah. And uh, you do have a, a big performance coming up at the uh, Harris Theater in March as we mark the uh, uh, 10-year anniversary of Ballet 5-8. Uh, tell us what is going to happen at the uh, Harris Theater and uh, and what you know what's going into the celebration. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this performance. Um, the Harris Theater is such an iconic venue for dance in Chicago, and it's the first time we've been able to be in that theater, so we're really excited about that. The performance is going to kind of showcase a lot of what makes Ballet 5-8 special. And so we're going to be putting on a collection of 11 different ballets in one night. And they're all inspired by different themes of faith. So you'll see some works inspired by C.S. Lewis. Um, We're doing excerpts from Golden Sessions, which is based on the four loves which it just kind of gives us that journey of the love of God and the different parts of love. And then we're also going to be doing a ballet inspired by Makoto Fujimara and his artwork. Um, That one is called Gospel Impressions, and his art is based on the four Gospels, and the ballet was inspired in the same way. And then we've got a couple of ballets that are inspired by poetry. Um, One is inspired by Gwendolyn Brooks called The Mother, and it deals with the topic of abortion. 
And then we have one called All God's Children, um, inspired by a poem by Sojourner Truth, um, which just shows the value of all the different types of people in the world. And I won't give the whole show away, but there's so much packed into this one evening. Um, It's kind of like a box of chocolates. Like there is something for everyone from the very dramatic to the very lighthearted. It's going to be a great night. Awesome. And uh, that is going to be March 12th. Um, uh, Are details up at Ballet58.org yet? Yes, they are. Tickets are on sale at Ballet58.org. Makes a great date night to give it to uh, your wife on Valentine's Day. You'll be taken care of and you're supporting an awesome ministry. So uh, if you're in the Chicagoland area or within a day's drive, check out Ballet58.org about the big performance on March 12th. And uh, guys, you'll look really cultured if you give your, your wife or your girlfriend ballet tickets for Valentine's Day. Absolutely. That you cannot go wrong with that, Dave. You are so right about that. And, and my, my wife is here as we're recording. She's not. And she's like, yep. So I might have to buy a few tickets. And uh, so for people that want to get involved, uh, are you doing auditions coming up? Or um, I think you mentioned that there might be auditions as you're in the Midwest to a couple of different cities. Yeah. So if you are a dancer and you, you know, are listening to this podcast and going, wow, this sounds like this could be my fit. We would love to see you audition for us. Um, we have an audition coming up in Detroit on February 5th. We also have one in Milwaukee on March 5th. Um, if you're not close to one of those cities, you can always send a video audition or give us a call and you can come to Orland Park to our studios. Um, we you know, let people audition during the week in our weekly classes. Um, if you're not a trained dancer, but you just love to dance and you think, man, I'd just love to take a class. We actually have ballet and tap jazz contemporary. Um, we've got ballet for adults. We've got toddler classes, mommy and me sort of classes. So there's something for everybody who wants to dance. You can go to school.ballet58.org to see a list of classes. Um, and you can give us a call at 708 329 8773 to get connected with a member of our front desk team. And we'll pop that on the screen for those that are uh, watching the um, the video on uh, YouTube. Uh, that's school.ballet58.org. And uh, you can also find the number uh, that uh, you just gave out uh, at uh, ballet58.org uh, to get involved. And let's say somebody's because you are 501c3, somebody wants to make sure that you guys continue for another 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, do you, uh, are you set up for boosters and donors? And how could they uh, do, that, uh, do that to support you? Yeah, so we do. We have an amazing base of donors. And we kind of have some different levels of donors that pitch into our needs. So if you're interested in becoming a donor or a corporate sponsor, if you're a business owner and you'd like to donate that way, um, yeah, you can go to ballet58.org and there's all the information there for giving. Um, and we love to, to love on our donors and there's lots of cool perks. Um, there's coffee mugs and t-shirts and even some behind the scenes sort of stuff that you get to be involved with if you're one of our donors. So definitely check that out. Awesome. And uh, you can find out more again at ballet58.org. That's ballet, the number five, the number eight.org. And of course, if uh, if you're somebody that's interested in the classes uh, that Juliana just mentioned, you go to school.ballet58.org. Uh, Juliana, it's uh, been uh, a pleasure speaking to you, getting to meet you. 
And I talk about this amazing ministry, which, uh, like you said, it's so needed. More and more creatives have to get out there and bring the light of Christ, whether it's in dance, in uh, in poetry, in spoken word, whatever the creative ability God's given you, use it for his glory and he's going to um, reach people with it. Amen. That's so true, Dave. And I really appreciate this time. It's been so fun to get to share with you. So thank you for that. And yeah, I look forward to seeing more people on this podcast and how God is using their creativity for his glory. So for uh, Juliana and the uh, Ballet 5-8 in Orland Park, Illinois, thank you for checking out the Creatively Christian podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. To see all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode, visit our website at theophanymedia.com forward slash ballet. To support the show and join our patron community where you'll get extra access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com forward slash creatively Christian. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert, and Rachel Oxborough. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music. And Jake Dobrins produces and edits the show.